The Star Hours, the Sheffield Wednesday podcast from the Star in Sheffield. The season starts here, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Star Hours. And yes, Championship football is back. Seems like only a few weeks since the end of last season. Doesn't time fly? I'm Liam Hoden, and joining me is one half of the Stars Owls reporting pair, fresh from the ultimate betrayal of appearing on another podcast. <laughs> Alex Miller, how are things, Alex? I can only apologise, Liam. Honestly, we, we, we revived our we thought, you know, gesture of goodwill, and you know, get involved in that one. Take me back, mate. Honestly, I'll, I'll, I'll never cheat on you again. I promise. I do say ultimate betrayal, but I think we know. When it comes to Wednesday reporters, there is a there is another level of ultimate betrayal that you've not quite reached yet, but we'll not go into that one too much. It's just us two today. Joe Cran's off and make, as he makes the final preparations for his big move back to Sheffield from South Africa. Uh, safe travels, Joe, if you're listening. Just to let you know, we are recording on a video conference in sight, so if you do experience any audio issues, we apologise wholeheartedly. To kick things off then, in the most thrilling note we possibly can... Let's have a look back on that game against Walsall last weekend in the Carabao Cup. Your thoughts on uh, on that one, Alex? I think you'd be hard pushed to find a DVD of that one, wouldn't you? Eventually, I think. Uh, yeah, fairly. I think painful's probably a bit too harsh, but it was it was very much a pre-season game, wasn't it? I think two teams, you know, supposedly operating on different levels. It, it sort of. It's a bit of an equaliser, isn't it, that sort of pre-season period and it just felt a bit like that. Walsall, for the first sort of 20 minutes of the game, I thought started quite brightly um, and I was a bit concerned really with the, with the way that Wednesday just looked a bit sort of laggy and, and sort of feeling the effects of, of you know, having less, less training time than Walsall, um, you know, which should, shouldn't be understated really. Um, you know, they, they haven't played for for a long, long time and, and they've been in, in pre-season training, you know, they've had a, an elongated, let alone just a normal pre-season, an elongated one, whereas obviously Wednesday have only been knocked about for a couple of weeks. So, yeah, um, that, that's the nice way of putting it. But yeah, fair, a fairly sleepy affair, I think, is uh, is fair enough. But, you know, a few positives to take from it, you know, some individual performances that were quite bright. You know, granted, they, they couldn't get themselves going in the final third, and I think it, it really did highlight that you know the, what we all knew really that need for a, for a goal scorer, a bit more of an a, attacking threat and a number nine something to aim at. <clears throat> but ultimately, Sheffield Wednesday won, and they're uh, they're in the second round, and we've got an equally exciting trip to Rochdale on Tuesday night as well. Now you're doing uh, the uh, the best of the lower league uh, football grounds. Well, I'll tell you one thing about Rochdale: absolutely cracking pre-match playlist. One of the very okay. best that you'll encounter, definitely. Yeah, forward something to look forward to, at least. You, you mentioned positive individual performances. I don't think any stand out more than, than Matt Penny, who managed to win man of the match despite being on the pitch only for a short while in the second half. But that were real positive for, for Wednesday, looking, looking for that bit of depth that they're going to need this season. Matt Penny suggesting that he could help provide that. Absolutely. And I think his job really is to force his way into a regular starting berth as well. If you look at that sort of left wing back position, Kadeem Harris sort of played it well, you know, in that in that sort of post-lockdown period. Um, but, you know, would he say he's necessarily a wing back? I, I, I'm not really sure. So, you know, there, there is there is a chance for Penny to go into that. And you'd think that it's 
sort of tailor-made for for the Matt Penny that that we sort of know and, and his attributes and all the rest of it. He played it to, to decent effect, played it a few times for, for St. Pauli. Uh, we spoke to Gary Munt this morning, what, it's uh, sort of mid-afternoon now on, on Thursday, so it, as part of his, his pre-match press conference for the for the Cardiff game that we'll speak about later. Um, yeah, Gary Monk was, was sort of quite giving in his praise to, to Matt Penny, sort of put him in with, with a lot of the younger players around the squad. He's only 22, Matt Penny, which, you know, you think he's sort of 25, 26, he's been knocking him out for a little while, but um, what, what he needs to do now, Monk said, was it's all about consistency um, on the training field as, as well as in games and sort of adding that, but yeah, like you said, huge impact, you know, really sort of woke everyone up, I think, didn't they, from that, from that pretty sleepy game otherwise. And in half an hour, he, he sort of made more attacks and made more things happen than, than just about anyone else on the pitch. So, very exciting, a really good start for him. P- people that say these sort of early season or, or pre-season matches don't matter. Well, l- little moments like that, the confidence that he takes now into the, into the next few weeks, you know, he may start, he may, you know, it may be that he's, he's sort of continuing to look for his, his chance off the bench, but the confidence that he's garnered in that half an hour is only going to sort of put him in good stead and, and puts him on the right foot now for, for the rest of the season and, and the rest of his Wednesday career. He's, he's got a, a year left on his contract. That um, year's extension was taken out by the club. It sounds very much like he's, he's sort of fighting and, and obviously wants to stay at Sheffield Wednesday and make a bit of a name for himself. So, yeah, certainly a good start to what's a very important season for him and his career. It'd be interesting with him because when he when he broke through um, a couple of seasons ago, he made a lot of very very eye catching runs with the ball at his feet, surging runs from from deep, and, and we saw during the restart how much space can be afforded the wide players in this system that uh, Gary Monk likes to play. So there is an opportunity for them to impress in that position and hopefully develop into it and give Wednesday that other option. It, it that were a real positive to take one. Not so positive, but but factor, and it, probably the big talking point from the game, the lack of strikers. Now, we know that that's been rectified in terms of players coming in that weren't quite ready to feature Elias Kachunga. Certainly, Josh Windass only available from the bench, and we know that Wednesday doing all they can to, to add to that. But interesting that Adam Reach, positioned as a striker, potentially as a future as a striker, if you listen to Gary Monk, what do we make to, to Adam Reach as a potential option for Wednesday in that attacking area? It wasn't the greatest impression that he made last weekend. It wasn't. I, th- I think it, it's a difficult one because you sort of see the team coming through. You just, I think we just all assumed that, that Rhodes would start and he'd sort of be given an opportunity to, to get his season underway. And um, yeah, we didn't sort of know whether it was going to be two false nines. And, you know, I made the point in the press box. Spain won the World Cup with Cesc Fabregas up front. You know, this, this is the new bold Sheffield Wednesday. But, um, yeah, it didn't quite play out like that. Look, I, I don't know. I think if they get a couple of strikers in, it's probably something that won't necessarily be revisited and, and Reach will be shuffled back. But, yeah, he, he struggled a bit. He, 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 it's just like he wasn't in the right position at any moment, really, which you, you, you can accept. Um, that there was a moment I made a note of it in the, in the 37th minute that Izzy Brown put a cross in and it was one of those you know the keeper the Walsall keeper came to came to collect and then took a step back and it was just one of those perfect crosses straight into the 
the penalty spot and you know on any other day with a with a striker there you'd fancy that I'd have been nodded in for 1-0 but the fact is no one was there because no one's got that sort of striker instinct and I thought together with Izzy Brown Izzy Brown had a couple of nice moments sort of on the turn and stuff but anyone that's seen much of him play before you, you want him sort of with the game in front of him and, and picking out those passes and stuff so yeah Monk sort of said that it it was partly a a fitness thing for Rhodes he's going to be needed over the next few weeks it was partly to have a look at at Reach and Brown in those positions because the squad is is stretched and it, it could well be that those two are needed certainly up until you know the, the end of the transfer window when we're guessing a bit of business will be done sort of towards the end of it and there's a lot of games in the next few weeks so you know whether whether in this League Cup run this this run to Wembley that we're on all of a sudden you know Reach is used as a striker a bit more um, you know it'll be, it'll be interesting to see but yeah it was certainly one that that took me by surprise I don't know about you yeah it did it did I mean it, it was interesting I obviously watched the coverage on uh, on Sky Sports and there were a lot of talk about Jordan Rhodes from, from all of the pundits that were involved and the way they were talking it was as though they were speaking about the Jordan Rhodes that were banging in 40 goals for Huddersfield not the Jordan Rhodes that we've seen over the last few years at Sheffield Wednesday um, I think it said uh, you, you mentioned the fitness thing I think it said a lot that he wasn't necessarily risked um, in, in terms of his his standing. Um, and I'm not entirely sure how much of a difference he would have made given how he's performed and the style that he's almost kind of fallen into that, that, that is very different from that Jordan Rhodes that was scoring a lot of goals and, and always in the right place at the right time. He seems to struggle to do that as much now. And, and yeah, I'm not, it's an interesting one. I understand Gary Monk's been talking about Jordan Rhodes today and, and some of the work that's going to be going on with Jordan in, in an attempt to, to kind of revive him uh, a little bit. Yeah, it sounds like he's been sort of set targets. The two of them have had some good talks between between them and, and where Rhodes needs to be. We, we've sort of heard that w- one of the things that, that Monk wants Rhodes to do is be more aggressive in, in, in the way he carries himself, the way that he sort of goes at chances. And, you know, really that's that's not Jordan Rhodes' game. But in this, the way that football's changed over the last few years, it's sort of been said that that's one of the reasons why Rhodes maybe isn't banging them in anymore, that maybe, you know, the style of football and style of football in the Championship has, has left him behind a touch. But you do find, you know, we've got no more physical championship side than, than Cardiff away coming up. And I don't know, you know, is Jordan Rhodes sort of suited to taking on Aidan Flint and, the, you know, those those big fellas at the back? And, yeah, it's certainly a concern. Look, we, we've said it a few times, if he can get a couple of goals and, and get himself going, you heart back to that mad 40 minutes at, at Forest just before Christmas and it was it was incredible three proper strikers finishes always seemed to be in the right place at the right time and then you know nothing for, for all the games after that and ended up back out the side so yeah it'll, it'll certainly be interesting whether he can add that bit of aggression I don't know you know he's had a full season with Monk now so he should have a, a good idea of what he wants him to do but yeah, it's always that temptation with Jordan Road, isn't it? That, that if, he can, <laughs> if he can just get a couple, you never know. But um, yeah, well, well, we'll get on to sort of the team that I'd named for this week. Um, but yeah, it'll certainly be interesting with uh, with what the side is. Another positive you mentioned, uh, there's a good chance of progression into the next round. Obviously, it's a double-edged sword progression in this composition because you just pile more work onto yourself in a very congested start to the season. But 
reaching the third round, hopefully get the job done at Rochdale. I've certainly seen Wednesday not get the job done at Rochdale in quite a spectacular fashion in the past. But hopefully a Rochdale side that very much have not they've not particularly brought in as many players as what they would have liked. I think they have been severely affected by the COVID-19 pandemic. I don't think their attention is going to be on progression in the Carabao Cup, particularly with the reduced prize money this year in that competition. I think it's going to be all about trying to survive uh, in uh, in League One. But this is this is a good opportunity for Wednesday to uh, to progress. I think so. We had the conversation, didn't we, about you know the ideal scenarios: the beat Walsall three 0 they get drawn against a a big Premier League team, and they sort of shuffle off into the background and, and don't have all these games to worry about. But you look, I think the the road ahead is sort of set out for them as well. And it's looking at Ipswich or Fulham beyond Rochdale, which, by the way, is absolutely not a foregone conclusion. I'd fancy that that Wednesday will probably shuffle things around and and maybe you know have a slightly weakened team maybe an opportunity for some of the younger players in, in the squad so yeah Rochdale on a Tuesday night can be a bit of a, a baptism of fire I'm guessing even even without spectators so yeah, yeah like I say not, not a foregone conclusion you know if, if the point's been made on on Twitter to me a number of times when I've sort of spoken about the Carabao Cup in this fashion if they can get something going if they, you know if they can go down to, to Fulham and and get even further into the competition, then it's a, it's a big confidence booster, and it, it sets them on that sort of momentum that that Monk and just about everyone around the club spoken about. That's that's even more important given this points deduction. So, yeah, but maybe we shouldn't be decrying the the Carabao Cup quite in <laughs> quite in the way that we have. And it, it's just it's a lot of football games at an early stage in the season, especially with the squad not not quite sort of taking shape as quickly as we might like. Let's talk about that then in terms of the squad taking shape. Gary Monk perhaps suggesting today that there's nothing imminent in terms of new arrivals before this weekend. Yeah, he said that on Saturday as well. Um, it, it sounds very much like the club are doing everything they possibly can. They're looking at every market they can. They're, they're constantly... He, he said to me on Saturday, you know, it might be that we get back to, into the changing room, I check my phone and, and something's changed. It really is sort of a, a constant sort of conveyor belt of information that's coming in and out of the club. But um, the fact is that because of this pandemic, there's usually sort of levels, isn't there, to, to who's doing their business. There's some championship clubs that are going after £20 million strikers. There's others that are after low knees and there's there's some sort of scouring the bargain buckets for, for everything that's left. But really, everyone's sort of in the middle with this with this pandemic and, and a bit, you know, in the, in the bargain buckets as well. Um, which is, is driving the price up on the, the wages of, of free agents, the, the loan fees that maybe Premier, Lugs, club, Premier League clubs can command and, and all the rest of it. And yeah, it, yeah I think it's just, it's just a very difficult sort of existence really trying to get, especially strikers through the door. They're, they're at a premium at the best of times and, and this has just condensed everything. So yeah, no, nothing quite imminent. He doesn't expect anything certainly to be done by, by Saturday. Um, Kenneth is a whore is the the latest name sort of linked with with Wednesday you know potentially on loan potentially on a permanent I saw you know a report on that uh, from, from West Brom you know whether he'd fit that sort of he's certainly a target man whether he fits the sort of young hungry ideal not really sure he'd come probably on, on high wages because 
cost West Brom eight million quid from from Cardiff, and nothing really worked out for him at the Hawthorns. Um, Monk sort of said today he wouldn't be drawn on. There's an interesting line on on uh, you know sometimes you guys are wider the market. I don't really know where you get your sources from. Whether that was sort of a direct sort of hint on Zahor or or not, we're not entirely sure. But he, you know, as ever, really, he wouldn't be drawn really on on whether Zahor was was something they were trying to get through the door. But um, yeah, certainly not especially imminent on, on any front. You know, they are looking at players elsewhere in the squad as well. It's, it's not just up front, and I think that's probably wise. It's as we keep saying, it's a, it's a long season, it's a condensed season. There are going to be injuries. There is going to be fatigue and. And just getting as many people in the door that can contribute would be um, a powerful tool, I think, for, for Wednesday. One player it doesn't look like is going to be returning for, for Wednesday, Atty Nui, who after a brief, brief sort of suggestion that he might, after all, return. Gary Monk kind of pouring cold water on that one a little bit. Yeah, and we had it sort of confirmed earlier in the week at the start, Joe, you know, had it, had it confirmed that nothing was really moving on that. The, the line is... The line that Monk's using is, is, I'm not going to shut the door on anything. Um, the line that we've had sort of out of the new camp is never say never. So it's sort of running across those lines. But uh, yeah, I'd be very surprised to see him, you know, even in a in a desperate situation. I think Monk's now sort of said enough in terms of, you know, his, his need to, to move away from, from that sort of player into a more younger sort of dynamic player. Um so yeah, that would that would indicate that that Newhue's not on the uh, on the radar, which is saddening to all of us because you know as I've said before, I miss the big fella. I'm not going to miss the 94th minute rewrites that he inflicts sort of five times a season. Um, but yeah, you know I think we've made our personal opinions, which which count for very little. But um, you know we, we've made them clear that he's a player that that takes some replacing and. Having him coming off the bench would have been would have been something useful for for Wednesday, but yeah, it's, it feels like it's getting further and further away. That well, let's get on to it then. Looking ahead to this season begins this weekend uh, against Cardiff. I think it's fair to say, regardless of anything else, Wednesday need a decent start. Yeah, that's that's put it mildly. I think. You know, a couple of players have sort of played it down, saying, "Oh, it's a long season," and you know, the the evidence of last season and how things went suggests that things can change. But you, you you want, especially in the championship, you want things to start well, regardless. When you're on minus twelve points, you definitely want things to start well. I, a few weeks ago, I spoke to um, David Prutton and David Lucas, who were both involved in the lead side that that so spectacularly got out of trouble with it, with their minus fifteen. And they said that was sort of the catalyst, getting getting things done straight away. I think they they won the first five games and were, were straight on on zero points, and obviously managed to end up in a in a playoff final. So uh, I don't think the suggestion is that Sheffield Wednesday are, are going to go that far, but um, yeah, certainly getting off to a good start, getting that momentum going, all that positive feeling around the club. Obviously, the spectators aren't in the grounds and. It might be that it's looking further and further away with with every sort of update from the government, unfortunately. But um, you know, it is it is important all that all that social media feeling. We know that the players are active on there, and and sort of the feelings of the fans do sort of permeate into the camp, uh, regardless of the fact that there aren't any supporters. So 
Um, yeah, really, really important from from every possible way. Really, that they get a couple of wins under the belt and uh, and get things rolling. They've got to really, aren't they? Because if if you look and think, well, if Wednesday have an average season, they're going to be under pressure down towards the bottom of the table right until the end. Mm. Um, that's just with an average season. So you've got to you've got to get ahead, a, a, a quickly attempt to get ahead of the teams that are going to have a have a poor season. Just to be, just to kind of keep your head above water for a while, it's going to be so interesting. And I think it's fair to say that certainly before the restart and and for for periods through the restart, there were a tremendous amount of pressure building on uh, on, on Gary Monk. And we, we've spoken before about the positivity that's been generated over the last few weeks, and and it does feel like there is is a decent amount of positivity uh, heading into this new season. But that can evaporate very, very quickly if Wednesday are dropping further and further behind that safety line. I think how perilous that sort of positivity. I don't know if it was just maybe you felt a little bit of it go. Certainly on Twitter, Twitter's a, a mad place at the, yeah. at the worst of times. But you know, a nil-nil draw at Walsall, you, you just felt a little bit of it sat there from from certain quarters and certain, you know vocal members of that sort of community so you know it, it goes up and down through the week you know with different things that are said if they're able to bring in a striker that, that obviously would, would all change immediately as we saw you know with the with the double signing last week so but yeah you're right you know that that, that positivity is, is so so powerful at a club like Wednesday any any club with a fan base like the size of Wednesdays it, it can either play in your favour or against it so yeah huge, hugely important I think how do you assess the championship as a whole? It's it's always been a division that's very very difficult to kind of predict. Uh, always one when you look down the fixture list and you're looking for winnable games, it's always difficult to, to to pick them out. But how do you see it going into into this season with the teams that have come down, the teams that have come up, and and what other clubs have managed to do so far? Obviously, there's still a tremendous amount of work to be done in the transfer market for virtually everybody with the window not closing internationally until the early on in October, later in October domestically. Still a lot to do and we probably won't know until mid-October where, where teams that really are. But how do you see it sort of shaping up at, at the minute? That's exactly right, I think. I think we don't really have a clue. <laughs> you know, the, especially the like the relegated clubs with the parachute payments, they, they are going to have money potentially to spend... And you know, if they're able to bring in a, a five or ten million pound player here or there, it changes the whole complexion of, of any sort of race at, at the top of the league. Look, I, I, there's not, you know, losing Leeds and, and West Brom, and you know, the the number of not not glamorized. I don't think we could describe Leeds United as a glamorized Sheffield Wednesday podcast and get away with it. Um, but you know, there doesn't appear to be that much in the way of barnstorming quality that that you know maybe a, a Marcelo Bielsa side or a Slavon Village side brought last season. Um, you know, even Fulham's a you know a big club that have, have had a lot of Premier League campaigns in in recent years. You know, you look at you look at Bournemouth and, and Norwich and that coming down. It, you know. I, are they going to set the league alight? I'm not. I'm not really sure. You know, I think the, the players that Bournemouth have lost are important. You know, Norwich haven't lost too many of their key players, but 
maybe coming into the, the coming weeks, you know, you're looking at the likes of Wendier and, and Campwell and Pookie and, you know, we're not really sure what's going to happen with them. So, yeah, in, in terms of the overall quality of the league, that, that's why this 12 points is even more of a frustration, really, for Wednesday, because I think there is an opportunity for one of the clubs in and around Wednesday sort of position to sort of take the bull by the horns and and get themselves into a into a playoff berth. And then from there, you know, who knows what might happen. But that, that's not really Sheffield Wednesday's concern, I think. But, you know, make it absolutely clear, I, I think the survival of Sheffield Wednesday is achievable, hugely achievable. They the need a number nine, but it would be a monumental achievement, I think. That that twentieth place should be sort of where all uh, crosshairs are, are sort of firing. You know, the, the, they've spoken a couple of the players and among themselves and stuff. They've spoken about aiming higher and, and sort of you know that that whole thing of shooting for the stars. You don't know where you might land, sort of thing. Um, but certainly from my point of view, you'd you'd, uh, you'd tear someone's hand off for twentieth place and survival, and then you can dust yourself down and, and go again next season gut feeling because that's all you've got to go on at the minute and when's he going to survive this season personally I'm I'm a little less glittery sparkly glitterball than than maybe my colleague uh, Joe at the, at the minute I think they, they need goals I, I don't know which I don't think you can pin more than five goals on any of the any of the players at the minute Um it's quite possible that Kachunga could, you know, he's got, he's had a 13 goal season. You look at what uh, Windass did at, at Rangers, and, and obviously they've got one of the best of the business in terms of striking coaches um, on board at the club now. So you know th- things could improve, but in, in terms of absolute guaranteed goals, I think I think they're struggling um, in, in that regard. And if they can get a number nine in, it's a massive boost. And I'd have absolutely no qualms saying that they could finish. A lot higher than than twentieth. They're not being sort of a, a negative Nelly here and, and sort of glass half full. But I think the reality is that they need goals. Can they stay up? Yes, of course they can. If they can get a bit of momentum going and and push things along, and and the exciting players. That, we've spoken a lot about Barry Bannon. You know him last season. He was sort of off colour and um that that had a big sort of effect on on the season itself you know when, when things were going bad Barry Brown wasn't playing well so if, it, if he and Izzy Brown can get themselves going and there is someone to, to sort of knock in the, the chances that they create it, it could be a very good season and you, you're taking momentum into into next year flying and all the rest of it but yeah I, th- I think there needs to be just a, a little bit of added focus really on that number nine we know the club are working hard on it we know that they know how how important it is, you know. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think getting getting some goals in the door really, really important. What do you think? I think I've, I've been quite positive throughout. I, I I must admit that watching it last week, I did, despite the uh, taking into account all the the scenario and the the very much friendly kind of preseason friendly kind of atmosphere among it, I, I I were kind of knocked back a little bit just in terms of that. Even if you haven't got two any strikers on the pitch, you're looking for a lot more creativity than what what they had. A lot saw so much of the ball, but so much of it was so stodgy. And you hope that, particularly after the, there were some really good flashes of, of play during that restart as well, you're hoping for a bit more of that. And hopefully we will see that. But I I would 
I am fairly confident that they'll get the job done and, and, and survive. And I think a large part of that is looking at the other teams and the teams that you expect to be down there towards the, the bottom end of the table and thinking that Wednesday <coughs> could do enough to, to wrestle the way. Obviously, they've got to be 12 points clear with these teams. Teams like Rotherham, who, no disrespect, but Rotherham need a lot of things to go their way. Uh, they've done it before. Um and 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 I'm I'm fully convinced that Paul Warren can can help him do it again. Uh, but they do need a lot to go the way. Barnsley need a lot to go the way. We're seeing that they're getting picked off again. As this seems to be the cycle, they've not quite reached. They, they do a, a very similar model to to Brentford. They've not quite reached the heights of Brentford in terms of having ready-made replacements in. They're very very good at developing players and selling them on. The ones that come in and and they were very very fortunate last season as we know they, they stayed up based on, on the Wigan situation but you look at them Wickham be interesting very interesting to see how Wickham get on with the home form because I think that could be a massive massive boost for them um, it, 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 that could be a real real asset for them if they can get it right at Adams Park again um, but yeah I'd, I'd, yeah, I think I think if if going on gut feeling just cut a long story short after going on a long story um I would say I think Wednesday will survive. Uh, that, that, that's, I, I, I feel like I've, I've come across massively doom and gloom and, and written them no, off there. No. That, that's that's not really where I'm at. I think I think, I think they can. Uh, I, I possibly think they will, but I'm just on the edge there. I, I, I think the point that I was trying to make was that I think uh, whoever the striker is that does come through the door, and I've absolutely no doubt... That sooner rather than later there will be someone, you know, it's just massively important that they can sort of eke out those those one nils, you know, and, and there will be chances if, if Izzy Brown can stay fit and Barry Bannon can stay fit, well there's you know, the the numbers prove that there's there's not two more creative midfielders really in the division anymore with, with Pereira having gone up to the Premier League. So yeah, I I think it can be a very exciting season. Number nine, very important. We'll go through it then. Your team, I set you a little task to, to come up with a team that you'd pick uh, for this weekend. But well, I think as, as we go through it, any areas where you think that Wednesday could do with improving, you, you could you could point them out. We'll start with one that's far from simple, the goalkeeper. Or is it far, is it simple from from your perspective? No, far from simple, I think. I, I, sort of obviously Dawson started on, on Saturday, kept a clean sheet. Um, didn't have too much to do. I was sort of impressed with his um, command of, of the team in front of him. That's it's always a bit. More... That's been a good thing of this kind of no supporters in there. You do see these things, uh, yeah, a lot more yeah. clearly in terms of how a goalkeeper interacts with his back four. Yeah, and it's, it's the first time we've seen Dawson because obviously Wildsmith came in after that period and. And so you, you sort of think to yourself, well, with fans in the stadium, would I, would I have noticed Dawson quite so much? And, and but yeah, he was certainly very. I mean, we spoke to him afterwards. He was sort of the player that the club put up to to come and speak to us, and he was absolutely horse. He could barely speak. You know, um, if you're looking at where Dawson's been criticised before, sort of coming out for for crosses and stuff, thought it was pretty good. I just thought his distribution was was pretty good with with little to aim at. You know, having. Adam Reach to aim at as a target man rather than Stephen Fletcher as a very different beast sort of thing. So, yeah, again, Gary Monk sort of said it was sort of five minutes before the, the 
tell the team what the side was going to be. They decided it was it was Dawson, so he's never had it before. He, he just doesn't have a, a gut feel on a keeper. It sounds like Daryl Fulhaven's sort of leaving it leaving it to Gary a little bit. It isn't necessarily giving his uh, definitive opinion on the two, but it just proves how close that those two are. Um, obviously, he started the season. Whether he has a look at Wildsmith this week will be, I think, an indication of maybe who the number one is if there is a slight number one going forward because obviously it was a it was a cup game so you could see a, a situation where one of them is the cup keeper and the other one gets a, a good go at um, properly nailing down that number one spot in the league. So yeah, I think we'll know a lot more, you know, come an hour before the game on, on Saturdays to where that is. But I, I've gone with Cameron Dawson, I think. Clean sheet, bit of continuity. Um, and, you know, if you include the last game, by the way, Wednesday kept back-to-back clean sheets, which um, is a big positive. Um, but yeah, uh, Dawson made a good save in that last game. And like I say, just that bit of continuity and, and keeping things ticking along, it'd be interesting to see if he can really nail down that spot. You're back three. Again, unchanged. Uh, Shay Dunkley's going to miss out. He's going to be out for the next seven to ten days, uh, Gary Monk said. Uh, Asazio Regidi is not back yet you know you're looking across that defence and you, I think you, you, your most experienced three is probably Bernard Lees and I offer um, Bernard had a, a bit of a horrible game I thought on, on Saturday again that, that thing of having no supporters in the grounds you can really tell the communication and there was a number of times really where he went up for you know Lees would call it and, and Bernard would just sort of bundle into him a little bit so it was one to forget for him he was caught on the ball a couple of times as well we know the qualities he's got and how important he is in terms of his the ball at feet and bringing it out and, and being able to pick out a pass. Uh, I thought Lees was very good. Sort of, you know, you, you wondered with the captaincy having been taken off him, you know, where he's going. But it was confirmed to us today by Gary Monk that he's he's vice captain Tom Lees. Um, really important. All three of them, really, you know, in the air, you're looking ahead at, at Cardiff and. You know, there is, certainly from set-piece and that sort of thing, there's going to be a massive, massive threat in the air and, and all three are, are pretty adept at, at clearing the ball with the head. So that's really important. But yeah, certainly. And you look at Dominic Alfa and I mean, he's he's probably the first name on the team sheet nowadays, isn't he? And big season ahead for him. So yeah, going with that back three, it'll be interesting when, when Dunkley is fit and firing because you'd imagine he'd come in. Uh, you'd imagine he'd probably come in in that middle position and you're looking at probably Lees and, and Burner as the two that are going to fight it out for, for that third spot. Who would you go for out of that? So imagine everybody's fit. Not not seen Dunkley yet, obviously. Uh, as it stands, you know, I'd probably push Lees out onto the left hand side and just purely based on on the fact that Bernie wasn't quite sort of at it on uh, on Saturday. Saying that, you know, he's part of a back three that kept a clean sheet and, and wasn't massively troubled. But yeah, certainly on on the performance of Saturday and, and what what that's worth. Um, I'd probably stick with, with Tom Lees and having his leadership abilities, you know, alongside the other two. It's really important for Wednesday to have that those options. It's been a while since I've had, you know, somebody's going to be really, really disappointed not to be playing. And uh, we, we could get on to further, depending on what, on what you said with Leon Palmer and what happens with him as well. There's going to be players this season very, very disappointed to not be featuring. And given the scenario that Wednesday are in and given the scenario everybody's in with a, such a busy campaign, that's going to be really, really important. Wing-backs, start on the right. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what you say for this one. 
Yeah, well, me and Joe yesterday put out, on Wednesday afternoon, put out our our selected teams and uh, I've never been called an idiot so many times on on social media. (laughs) Um, But I've I've gone for Liam Palmer on the right-hand side. Um, We saw sort of in some of the footage from the training camp at Loughborough that he, he was sort of training as a as a wing back rather than on the on the right hand side of a three. I think with Dunkley coming in, like we just talked about, it it does sort of free up Palmer to go out on the right hand side and it's looking more and more unlikely that Jacob Murphy isn't going to be a Wednesday player this season. So, you know, they do need sort of some reinforcements there. He played as a as a right wing back for Scotland in the week and got an assist and I watched the game, played very well. Um there's always been that question mark about going forward and, and obviously he doesn't have the, the lightning pace of an odd Abadjo or, or a Murphy, but he can certainly contribute as he, as he showed for Scotland in the week. So, yeah, I've gone with Liam Palmer. You know, a shout for Moses Odebadjo. I don't think he did too much wrong, really. And, and uh, on Saturday, certainly going forward, he was an absolute threat. He was, you know, we know how good he can be. Um, and I think that you know it's a nice balance that that sort of horses for courses that they've got on that right hand side. You know when you when you want to be a bit gung ho and you want to throw everything at it, then then maybe Mo is your man. Um, and then you know when you want to be a little bit more conservative and, and keep things a little bit tighter, then then maybe he'll go with Palmer. Uh, but yeah, certainly for the threat of Cardiff and, and how important things are out wide for them in terms of getting crosses in and all the rest of it. Uh, I think having Having someone a, a little bit more defensive minded is is important. The other side, on the left. Yeah. So again, my, my idiocy was pointed out to to full effect on social media. I've, I've gone with Harris again. Um, obviously, a former Cardiff player. He was brilliant um, down there last year. Uh, really, one of his his stronger performances. Sort of came in his purple patch right at the start of his his, his Wednesday career. Um, I've been impressed with how he's taken to. To defending, we spoke about that last week, I think, on the pod, didn't we? And yeah, I'd give him another go there. Look, Penny in his half an hour we've spoken about already was was outstanding. I think he can be a really big player this season, but um, yeah, I think I'd stick with the senior man who's got a bit of a point to prove down there, um, and who, let's face it, has been has been more or less faultless really in in that position in the ten or so games that he's played. Um, you, you look at even on Saturday. He wasn't taken off the pitch. He, he was moved over to the right hand side. That might be something that we see going forward. You know, with, with Penny sort of perhaps making a play to to start games. Maybe Harris will be pushed over to the other side. But I, I still think that Kadeem Harris, from from a running with the ball point of view and from that sort of direct sort of probing that he does with the ball at feet, he's he's very much Wednesday's biggest threat. Um, and so, yeah, important to keep him on the pitch. I think. You three in midfield. Uh, what have I got? One change, Bannon obviously, um, Luongo, and I've shuffled Izzy Brown into midfield uh, for the reason that we talked about before. I think having the, the legs of Luongo around the other two and allowing them to sort of pick out passes and do everything that they do so well, um, and the sort of things that have made them, given them the the sort of reputation that they have in the in the championship. You know, if those two can get themselves going and create anything like the the numbers that they have over the last couple of years in, in certainly from Brown's point of view from in different sides it could be really really exciting for, for Wednesday this season so yeah I've gone for sort of Luongo running around crashing about 
making things happen and breaking up play and, and Bannon and, and Brown sort of floating around and, and picking out passes. And then you're two up top. I've gone for Josh Windass in behind Elias Kachunga. Um, touched on it before, I think the physicality of of Cardiff maybe just a little bit too much for, for Jordan Rhodes who can get sort of exposed without another sort of out-and-out striker next to him, if that makes sense. He'd, when Rhodes has been the best from what I've seen him, which is obviously only last season, but um, he, he was sort of always quite close to Stephen Fletcher and sort of worked off his sort of knockdowns and stuff. And, you know, maybe there is a shout for, for Rhodes to start, but yeah, I think why not sort of go with Kachunga, who's a bit more, bit more athletic, a bit stronger, probably a bit more capable of, of playing that sort of the Fletcher role. We, we talk about Fletcher a lot, don't we, for a player that's not, not going to be at Wednesday. Um, but yeah, and then obviously Windass with, again, with the legs around and just that little bit of, of creativity with, with Brown and, and Bannon. Um, so yeah, that, that's what, no doubt be absolutely nothing like it. If, if I've learned anything from, from a year and a bit covering Sheffield Wednesday, it's, it's that, Picking a, a Gary Monk side is a bit of a thankless task. I know Joe, in his side, he, he had Rhodes at front. He had Harris on the right-hand side and, and started Penny. I think aside from that, it was more or less the same team. Mm. So, yeah, there are there are little changes you can make there. And, uh, yeah, it'll be really, really interesting, I think, because you can sort of set your stall out a little bit in these first matches. And it'll be, it'll be interesting to see what he's thinking of, of Rhodes and the goalkeeper and all the rest of it. Um, but yeah, really difficult test at Cardiff and I think we'll, we'll learn a little bit about this Wednesday side. Yeah, just looking back on, on your team, are there any specific areas talked about strikers where you would kind of look to hope or hope that Wednesday do a bit of business and, and, and give you another option that you would perhaps choose in that position? Yeah, I think on the flanks, they look relatively well stocked in in midfield and defence. Uh, a player that's sort of linked is, is Dion Sanderson and we're led to believe that, that Wednesday have sort of made inquiries on that front. He's, he's a player that can play at right wing back um, as well as sort of across the back three. Uh, but you look, you know, with that midfield three, Luongo, Brown, Bannon, you've got Adam Reach in there as, as long as he's not seen full time as a striker now, of course. Um, you've got Fazero, Dele Bashiru, Alex Hunt, Liam Shaw. So, yeah, he, of course, Joey Pelopesi. Don't yeah. forget Joey yeah. Pelopesi, Alex. How could I? I? I did flirt with the idea of putting him in my in my team just to see my, my Twitter mentions blow up. But um, you know, so yeah, they, they look pretty well stocked in that area. I think out wide, you, you you've got two options on either side, but having someone that can maybe jump between the two, um, as we've said long season it there's going to be knocks and that sort of thing um so it sounds like Dion Sanderson would be a good addition again that that competition is going to be rife but for any 10% lingering on any other of the positions 90% of, of my concern goes into up front and you know I'd, I'd be tempted to get two in personally um let, let alone one but but certainly up top is the uh, the absolute priority for, for Wednesday and Gary Monk said as much as well you mentioned it. It's a tough old start, isn't it? Cardiff up first. Yeah, bit bit of turmoil down there. Um, the 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 situation around Nathaniel uh, Mendes Lang isn't isn't public knowledge yet. 
I think we'll probably find out more in the coming days and weeks as to him. He hasn't, he didn't train all all preseason, so it's not like he's been ripped out of the camp. Um, but yeah, obviously his his contract was terminated. And he's he's a big player for Cardiff now. They play sort of creating things out out wide, and he's a, a big unit as well. Because they all seem to be at Cardiff. I remember going down last season. It was absolutely hammering it down with rain. It was like a you, it was a Friday night game. It was your classic Neil Warnock um, match and. Wednesday just looked like little boys, you know. Next day, even someone like Stephen Fletcher getting marked by Aidan Flint was just ridiculous. Um, but yeah, there's no uh, Joe Rawls either, who's a big player for them, and Lee Tomlin, who his record against Wednesday is bizarre, bizarrely good. You know, I think he's got three goals, and two assists in the last five games or something for for various clubs against Wednesday. So yeah, it's looking it's looking likely that that he won't feature so yeah it, there is maybe a chance that's that's sort of three out of the midfield and attacking areas that, that Wednesday can go at um, but like we said in number 10, if they can just get a win if they can just nick a 1-0 or or you know obviously the, the dream is to go down and, and get something more substantial the, Cardiff has strengthened in other areas and you'd expect them obviously they got in the playoffs last year you'd expect them to be up and around it again but um, yeah if they, could, if they could walk away with a draw I think most Wednesday would probably take that We'll go for the positive. We'll go for the win and start. Of course, of course. Sorry, the means four nil. A, a Rhodes double brace. Yeah, <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, it is. You probably look at the fixtures at the start, and, and you point that out as probably one of the the toughest yeah. fixtures that you're going to get uh, across the season. Um, so it's a it is a bit of a tricky start, really. That Wednesday have been. Handed and um, yeah, you know, it'd be it'd be good to, to get away with something there. Hope so. As we say, it's very very difficult to pick out any winnable games at the championship level. So you just got to go out there and get that job done, and not worry too much about who's up next. That's pretty much it for this uh, episode of the Star Owls, the first of a brand new season. Uh, before you go, I'm going to bring in the Stars football editor Chris Holt to tell you about an exciting new subscription offer specifically for football fans. So, Chris, uh, new subscription offer for readers of the Star uh, online, specifically football supporters as well. What can you tell us about it? Well, Liam, readers have asked and we've listened and we realise that not everybody's interested in news. There are some people who come to us mostly just for football. And so we have come up then with a package of, uh, as part of our subscriptions that is geared just for them, um, which means that they, they don't have to you know, if they're if they're only coming to us for football, then they'll have a cheaper subscription, which means that they don't they don't have the same access to all the news, but they've got full access to all of our sports output, which is obviously uh, mainly football, both United and Wednesday, but the other stuff as well, the basketball, Steelers, rugby, all the other stuff. So it, it all comes part of the part of the package, and is and is cheaper than the than the full subscription that that comes with the start. What would you say are the benefits of uh, subscribing then? Well, in my mind, we we offer unrivaled coverage of both Sheffield United and Sheffield Wednesday. You, we have our live blogs each each and every day, which run right through the day, given given the breaking news. We've got the depth of coverage that that I don't think anybody else has. We've got analysis and. Um, our match day coverage is again unrivaled. There been, there's no one around who gives the same level of, of coverage that we do in terms of telling you what's happening in the game and 
off the pitch as well and the reaction from managers, the reaction from our from our own reporters there on the scene. They're each each and every game they're at they're at every single match. And like I said, the the coverage that we can give our readers, you'll not find anywhere else. People will ask inevitably, why should I pay? Why should I subscribe? What are the reasons for this in terms of asking people to pay at this time people have got kind of got used to things being free for a long time but but why more than ever do we need people to subscribe journalism costs money that that's the long and the short of it if if people want us to continue to provide the the level of coverage that we've been giving them for all the for all these years then then a subscription is the best way for that to happen and um, in the old days people obviously bought a paper but fewer people are doing that now and um, but this is just like that, it, and and I must add, it's much cheaper as well. So the way that the uh, subscription pricing works out is, at the minute, there's an early bird offer of thirty nine pound ninety nine, thirty nine pound ninety five, or should say, per year, which is the standard subscription, and that gives you complete access to every to all of our our sporting output. And then there's a, a premium package, which also means that they can give. This maybe for the traditionalists a little bit. But you get a digital version of the paper on uh, on an app, which you can read um, on your iPad. It's a bit more um, a bit more hands on, she'd say, as, as you know, a, a closer to reading the paper than than perhaps reading reading a website. And it's forty nine ninety five for the for the for the early bird offer. Um, I mean that that works out less than a pound a week. So if you if you ever bought a paper every day or even a few times a week, it's still cheaper than that. Definitely really good value for that. Thirty nine ninety five or forty nine ninety five. Well worth getting on board with that for the for as you say, the depth of the coverage that that we provide. Thanks for that, Chris. Remember to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts from. And why not leave us a review while you're there. From Monday, we'll be bringing you a short episode at the start of each week, looking back on the weekend's action, throwing forward to any midweek action as well. Uh, and then we'll have the normal episode each Thursday where we're getting teeth into a few bigger issues and, uh, and obviously preview the weekend's action. Make sure you don't miss it. Hit that subscribe button. You can follow us on Twitter at the Star Owls and find our dedicated Wednesday page on Facebook. Both are great for sending us your questions and messages for the podcast. There's also a link in the description for this episode where you can leave us a voice message so you can get your thoughts and questions to us that we can use on the, on the podcast in the future. Make sure you do that. For now... That's it. Thanks very much for joining us. Take care, and we'll speak to you again very soon. Thanks very much. Head over to thestar.co.uk for all the latest news, views, and analysis of all things Sheffield Wednesday. Follow us on Twitter, at the Star Owls, or search on Facebook for our dedicated Sheffield Wednesday page. And remember, you can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever.